Chapter 9 of Guy Fawkes, or A Complete History of the Gunpowder Treason, A.D. 1605. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Oxnard. Guy Fawkes, or A Complete History of the Gunpowder Treason, A.D. 1605, by Thomas Lathbury. Chapter 9. The Act for the Observance of the Day. A Service Prepared for the Occasion. Alterations in the Service to Suit the Landing of King William. Reflections. As the Act of Parliament, which enjoins the observance of the 5th of November, is not generally known, or at all events is not within the reach of ordinary readers, I shall insert in this place. It was couched in the following terms. Forasmuch as Almighty God hath in all ages showed his power and mercy in the miraculous and gracious deliverance of his church, and in the protection of religious kings and states, and that no nation of the earth hath been blessed with greater benefits than this nation now enjoyeth, having the true and free profession of the gospel under our most gracious sovereign Lord King James, the most great, learned, and religious king that ever reigned therein, enriched with a most hopeful and plentiful progeny, proceeding out of his royal loins, promising continuance of this happiness and profession to all prosperity, the which many malignant and devilish papists, Jesuits and seminary priests, much envying and fearing, conspired most horribly when the king's most excellent majesty, the queen, the prince, and all the lords spiritual and temporal and commons should have been assembled in the upper house of parliament upon the fifth day of November in the year of our Lord, 1605, suddenly to have blown up the said whole house with gunpowder, an invention so inhuman, barbarous, and cruel, as the like was never before heard of, and was, as some of the principal conspirators thereof confess, purposely devised and concluded to be done in the said house that when sundry necessary and religious laws for preservation of the church and state were made which they falsely and slanderously call cruel laws enacted against them and their religion both place and person should be all destroyed and blown up at once which would have turned to the utter ruin of this whole kingdom had it not pleased almighty god by inspiring the king's most excellent majesty with a divine spirit to interpret some dark phrases of a letter show to his majesty above and beyond all ordinary construction thereby miraculously discovering this hidden treason not many hours before the appointed time for the execution thereof therefore the king's most excellent majesty the lord spiritual and temporal and all his majesty's faithful and loving subjects do most justly acknowledge this great and infinite blessing to have proceeded merely from god his great mercy and to his most holy name do ascribe all honour glory and praise and to the end this unfeigned thankfulness may never be forgotten but be had in a perpetual remembrance that all ages to come may yield praises to his divine majesty for the same and have in memory this joyful day of deliverance be it therefore enacted by the king's most excellent majesty the lord spiritual and temporal and the commons in this present parliament assembled and by the authority of the same that all and singular ministers in every cathedral and parish church or other usual place for common prayer within this realm of england 
and the dominions of the same shall always upon the fifth day of november say morning prayer and give unto almighty god thanks for this most happy deliverance and that all and every person and persons inhabiting within this realm of england and the dominions of the same shall always upon that day diligently and faithfully resort to the parish church or chapel accustomed or to some usual church or chapel where the said morning prayer preaching or other service of god shall be used and then and there to abide orderly and soberly during the time of the said prayers preaching or other service of god there to be used and ministered and because all and every person may be put in mind of his duty and be there better prepared to the said holy service be it enacted by the authority aforesaid that every minister shall give warning to his parishioners publicly in the church at morning prayer the sunday before every such fifth day of november for the due observation of the said day and that after morning prayer or preaching on the said fifth day of november they read publicly distinctly and plainly the present act footnote thirty five i give the act entire because i am not aware that it is to be found in any popular form and it is desirable that the present generation should know how this treason was viewed by their ancestors a particular service was prepared to be used on the fifth of november and was published in sixteen o six i have not been able to ascertain whether it was framed by the convocation but i am disposed to think that it was arranged by the bishops as is still the case in particular prayers on special occasions and then set forth by the authority of the crown in my copy of the original service printed by barker and bill printers to the king the words set forth by authority stand on the title page the authority of the crown is evidently intended and not that of convocation the original service was used on this day until the alterations were effected in sixteen sixty two except during the period of the commonwealth when forms of prayer were altogether discarded it appears however from fuller that in his time the observance of the day was very much neglected if this plot says he had taken effect the papists would have celebrated this day with all solemnity and it would have taken the upper hand of all other festivals the more therefore the shame and pity that amongst protestants the keeping of this day not yet full fifty years old begins already to wax weak and decay so that the red letters wherever it is written seem to grow dimmer and paler in our english calendar god forbid that our thankfulness for this great deliverance formerly so solemnly observed should hereafter be like the squibs which the apprentices in london make on this day and which give a great flash and crack at first but soon go out in a stink footnote thirty six fuller book ten thirty eight from several of the incidental notices in the works of writers of the times of james i and charles i we learn that the observance of the day was gradually neglected in a curious work of the date of sixteen eighteen there is a notice to the effect that the people were cold in praising god for their deliverance see gary's amphitheatrum scelerum fortio sixteen eighteen in the reigns of charles the second and james the second when the dread of popery was general the people universally observed the fifth of november as a day of thanksgiving to god this was written or at all events the work was published during the commonwealth 
and it would seem that the various religious parties of the period though hostile to popery did not pay much attention to the observance of the day probably because it had been set apart as a holy day by the church of england the fact that the day was observed by the anglican church was quite sufficient to induce the presbyterians and sectaries to disregard it on no other ground can i account for the omission or neglect of which fuller speaks for the religious parties of that period were all animated with feelings of the bitterest hostility towards the church of rome after the restoration the day was again solemnly observed in all the churches of the kingdom and when the book of common prayer was revised and set forth the service for the fifth of november was revised also and published with the liturgy the original service was submitted to the convocation by whom several alterations were made which may be seen by comparing the service published in sixteen o six with that which is annexed to the common prayer subsequent to sixteen sixty two and which continued in that state until after the revolution the title of the original service is prayers and thanksgiving to be used by all the king's majesty's loving subjects for the happy deliverance of his majesty the queen prince and states of parliament from the most traitorous and bloody intended massacre by gunpowder the fifth of november sixteen o five in the service as it was revised in sixteen sixty two some few alterations were made in the title they may be seen by any one who compares the above with the title in the service at present in use for in this particular it has undergone no change since sixteen sixty two in the commencement of the original service are two verses from one timothy two verses one and two in the revised form of sixteen sixty two they are omitted the rubrics also in the service of sixteen sixty two respecting the method to be adopted when the day falls upon a sunday or holy day are not found in the service of sixteen o six the psalms appointed to be read are also different in the two services in the service as altered in sixteen sixty two and as it stands at present one of the homilies against rebellion is appointed to be read whenever there is no sermon while in that of sixteen o six no mention is made of anything of the kind footnote thirty seven i notice these alterations because the original service is very rare and consequently accessible only to a few the service of sixteen sixty two like the original was framed to commemorate one event only namely the deliverance from the gunpowder plot but when king william came to the throne it was deemed desirable as he had landed on the same day to commemorate that event also it became necessary therefore to alter the service so as to make it suit both events first the deliverance from the gunpowder treason and secondly the deliverance of the country from popish tyranny and superstition by the arrival of king william it has been supposed that the service was altered into its present state by the convocation in sixteen eighty nine but there is no evidence to prove that such was the case it seems pretty certain that it was altered by the authority of the crown a twofold deliverance therefore is commemorated in the present service for the fifth of november first from the powder plot and next from popery coming in upon the country in a manner more insidious but not less dangerous in sixteen eighty eight when the king on the throne was a papist and all possible means were used to establish the papal ascendancy it was very natural that the country should have been struck with the circumstance of king william's landing on the fifth of november 
a day so remarkable in the calendar of the english church to the roman catholics the observance of this day is anything but agreeable but they can scarcely censure englishmen for commemorating an event so favourable to protestantism had such a conspiracy been discovered against the church of rome all papists would regard the day with special reverence protestants are surely to be permitted to enjoy the same liberty in celebrating the merciful interposition of providence in rescuing the country from destruction by some modern writers the revolution of sixteen eighty eight is designated a rebellion it is astonishing that any protestant should speak of that event in such terms since queen victoria must be an usurper if the revolution was a rebellion to the principles then established our queen is indebted for her crown and we are indebted to the same principles for our civil and religious liberties the men who can call a revolution a rebellion cannot be members of the church of england for had not king james been expelled from the throne the anglican church would have been destroyed rebellions can never be lawful but revolutions similar to that in sixteen eighty eight are perfectly just such men can never read the service appointed for the fifth of november at all events they cannot read the following passages except also most gracious god of our unfeigned thanks of filling our hearts again with joy and gladness after the time that thou hadst afflicted us and putting a new song into our mouths by bringing his majesty king william upon this day for the deliverance of our church and nation from popish tyranny and arbitrary power and again and didst likewise upon this day wonderfully conduct thy servant king william and bring him safely into england to preserve us from the attempts of our enemies to bereave us of our religion and laws and the following we bless thee for giving his late majesty king william a safe arrival here and for making all opposition fall before him till he became our king and governor it is not possible that the men who can call the revolution a rebellion should concur in those prayers had these individuals lived at the time they would have quitted the church with the non-jurors and with such views respecting the revolution settlement i cannot conceive how they can conscientiously remain in a church connected with and supported by a government which owes its very existence to that event which they designate a rebellion is it not high time for such men to quit the pale of the anglican church the dangers which threatened the country during the reign of james the second were very great and their removal can only be ascribed to him in whose hands are the issues of life james was determined to reduce the country into subjection to the papal see or lose all in the attempt william the third was the destined instrument under god to secure the liberties which james laboured with all his might to destroy the revolution of sixteen eighty eight was a bloodless one yet it was complete it is always dangerous to alter the succession to the crown it is a expedient never to be resorted to except in extreme danger in sixteen eighty eight the departure from the direct line was an act of necessity for unless such a course had been adopted the liberties of england both temporal and spiritual would have been sacrificed nor can any one say how long the country would have been in recovering them from the grasp of the papacy in such an emergency the nation looked to the prince of orange who responded to the call and came to our rescue 
when king james quitted the country and all hope of his being prevailed upon to govern justly was lost the people saw the necessity of departing from the direct line of succession still they were resolved to depart as little as possible they looked therefore to the next protestant heir being determined to exclude papists from the throne for ever that heir was the princess of orange the daughter of king james and as the prince had been so instrumental in rescuing the nation from the yoke he was associated with her in the government james therefore would not have been rejected if he had governed righteously but when he had deserted the throne it was determined that it should never again be filled with a papist such were the principles on which the revolution was conducted when the prince of orange set sail from holland he was driven back by contrary winds and it was feared that the attempt would fail and that king james would succeed in his designs a second time however were the sails unfurled and a propitious wind bore the fleet to the coast of devon where a landing was effected on the fifth of november sixteen eighty eight the fifth of november sixteen o five and the fifth of november sixteen eighty eight are remarkable days in the annals of england days never to be forgotten by a grateful people had not the prince of orange arrived james would have imposed his yoke upon the english nation had he not been resisted the laws and liberties of the country must have been prostrated in the dust and the church of england sacrificed to popery king james as a papist felt himself bound to make every effort to restore popery and root out protestantism all his actions tended to this point motives of policy even did not restrain him in the course upon which he had entered his proceedings therefore were against the liberties of the people and the laws of the land and on this account alone was he set aside the parliament acted as a protestant parliament and enacted a law that none but a protestant should ever occupy the british throne the parliament of that day well knew that the same principles would be productive of similar results and that protestantism and the civil liberties of the nation would be endangered by a popish king now had not king william arrived james would have been able to execute all his projects respecting the church and nation so that every protestant has reason to be thankful for the success which attended the efforts of william the third and to observe the fifth of november as a day of thanksgiving to god for his gracious interposition never was a people less disposed to rise against their sovereign than were the english against james the second yet as he was trampling upon their liberties and preparing a yoke of spiritual bondage what could they do their rights as men and as christians were at stake nor could the danger by which they were threatened be averted but by the expulsion of that sovereign who had broken his solemn promise and proved himself unworthy of being trusted again by his subjects our ancestors at the period of the revolution acted on the principle of self-defence it was necessary to deprive him of his royal power when that power would have been employed in depriving the people of their civil and religious liberties it was admitted by an illustrious statesman in france in the seventeenth century that it was the true interest of england to maintain and defend her protestant church against popery as his observations are so striking and also so applicable to our present circumstances i shall not hesitate to quote them the book bears this title the interest of the princes and states of christendom 
and consists of several chapters in each of which he treats of the interest of a particular country there is a chapter on the interest of england from which i quote the following passages queen elizabeth who by her prudent government hath equalled the greatest kings of christendom knowing well the disposition of her state believed that the true interest thereof consisted first in holding a firm union in itself deeming as it is most true that england is a mighty animal which can never die except it kill itself she grounded this fundamental maxim to banish thence the exercise of the roman religion as the only means to break all the plots of the spaniards who under this pretext did there foment rebellion alluding to some other particulars of that reign he adds by all these maxims this wise princess has made known to her successors that besides the interest which the king of england has with all princes he has yet one particular which is that he ought thoroughly to acquire the advancement of the protestant religion even with as much zeal as the king of spain appears protector of the catholic this was the language of a statesman king james therefore did not seek the interest of his country but that of the papacy footnote thirty eight see the interest of the princes and states of christendom by the duke de rohan translated into english by h h page fifty three twelve m o sixteen forty one a few words will suffice to show that king james intended to subvert the liberties of his subjects to root out protestantism and to re-establish popery in his first speech to his parliament he promised to support the church of england as by law established yet two days after his accession he went publicly to mass the very same year he appointed several popish officers to posts in the army in direct violation of the statute passed in the late reign on this subject in sixteen eighty six he endeavoured to induce the twelve judges to declare the legality of the dispensing power while under the direction of a jesuit his confessor a majority of papists were introduced into his council and at the same period several popish bishops were publicly consecrated in st james's chapel contrary to the laws of the land many of his nobles were removed from their office of trust and honour simply for refusing to embrace popery while the clergy were commanded not to introduce controversial topics into their sermons and because sharp subsequently archbishop of york refused to comply with the royal order he was prosecuted in the courts of justice and his diocesan the bishop of london was actually suspended for refusing to censure him contrary to law in sixteen eighty seven under the pretence of relieving the dissenters he dispensed with the penal laws in order that popery might be propagated under cover of a toleration in sixteen eighty eight seven bishops were committed to the tower for no other crime than that of petitioning his majesty in favour of the civil and religious liberties of the country at length when the king's designs were obvious to all men the prince of orange was applied to by the general consent of the english nation that great prince responded to the call and after some little delay at sea landed on our shores on the fifth of november sixteen eighty eight and completed the deliverance of the country from the yoke of bondage well therefore may this event be coupled with the deliverance of this nation from the gunpowder treason of sixteen o five
it must strike the reader as very strange that in matters of religion we should not be left at liberty to act for ourselves without the interference of the pope and the roman church this very fact shows that her claim of supremacy is an essential part of her system the church of england the papist allege has made a departure from the church of christ this would be a grievous charge if it could be proved the church of christ commands nothing but what is conformable to the saviour's will nor does she require her children to believe anything which is not expressly contained in the scriptures or by evident consequence deduced from those sacred oracles it is therefore false to assert that the church of england has made a separation from the church of christ she merely opposes those dogmas which cannot be proved from sacred scripture so far from separating from the church of christ she did not even separate from the church of rome the church of england in a lawful synod assembled early in the reign of queen elizabeth declared certain opinions which were held by some in her communion to be contrary to the word of god this power the church of england ever possessed and ages before the reformation she had often exercised it this power had been wrested from the church of england by force and at the reformation she recovered it william the conqueror and many of his successors though sons of the roman church yet acted as independently as queen elizabeth for ages our kings did not permit letters to be received from rome without being submitted to their inspection they did not permit any councils to be held without their permission so that ecclesiastical councils were at length termed convocations and were always assembled by the authority of the crown they did not permit any synodical decree to take effect but with their concurrence and confirmation bishops could not excommunicate any baron or great officer without the royal precept or if they did they were called to account for their conduct in the courts of law they never permitted a legate from the pope to enter england but by express consent nor did they suffer appeals to rome as was the case when the encroachments of the papacy were further advanced frequently they would not permit bishops to be confirmed in their sees by the pope but commanded the archbishop of canterbury to give possession to the individuals appointed to fill them these are a few instances in which our kings in ancient times exercised a power in ecclesiastical affairs independent of the pope and therefore queen elizabeth had a full right to act as her predecessors had done for so many ages the same power had been possessed and exercised by every national church from the earliest times she proceeded therefore to correct abuses and the pope and his followers without even examining the matter and setting at naught the ancient privileges of the kingdom designated this procedure a departure from the church the pope wished to impose as articles of belief certain doctrines which had no foundation in scripture the english church refused to receive them and the pope condemned us as schismatics and heretics yet in all reason those who depart from the bible not those who adhere to it must be the heretics to impose these same articles of belief the gunpowder treason was planned to impose the same james the second resorted to those means which are so well known as having caused him the loss of his crown to commemorate our deliverance from such an authority from such a yoke of bondage and from such cruel tyranny the fifth of november was ordered by act of parliament to be for ever kept holy that act is still in force and i am convinced that it will remain in force for no minister of the crown 
however inclined to favour and conciliate the papists will ever be so rash as to call for a repeal of that act such an attempt would rouse the protestant feeling of the empire it would be viewed as a precursor of the complete ascendancy of popery i am convinced that the repeal of the act if such a thing were carried would cause the protestants of england to observe the day with more solemnity than has ever been practised since the passing of the act our churches would be opened for worship our pulpits would resound with the full declaration of the truths of our holy religion against the devices and the corruptions of popery and the loud song of praise and thanksgiving would be offered up from england's twelve thousand parishes with such ardour and devotional zeal that no attempt to crush the expression of public feeling would succeed if therefore a popishly affected ministry should ever venture to repeal the act they will be under the necessity if they would repress the demonstration of popular feeling of passing another act to prevent the doors of our churches from being opened and the people from assembling together to praise god on the fifth of november in alluding to the observance of the day burnet remarks now our fifth of november is to be enriched by a second service since god has ennobled it so far as to be the beginning of that which we may justly hope shall be our complete deliverance from all plots and conspiracies and that this second day shall darken if not quite wear out the former footnote thirty nine burnet's thanksgiving sermon before the commons january thirty first sixteen eighty eight to sixteen eighty nine to us in the present day both deliverances may be recalled with equal advantage both were wonderful both demand a tribute of gratitude from all who love the religion of the bible burnet observes in the same sermon you who saw the state of things three months ago could never have thought that so total a revolution could have been brought about so easily as if it had been only the shifting of scenes these are speaking instances to let you see of what consequence it is to a nation to have the lord for its god we have seen it hitherto in so eminent a manner that we are forced to conclude that we are under a special influence of heaven and since in god there is no variableness nor shadow of turning we must confess that if there comes any change in god's methods towards us it arises only out of our ingratitude and unworthiness he then states that if the advantages so conferred are not duly appreciated and improved more dreadful calamities than those lately expected will overtake the country when addressing the commons on their duties relative to religious matters he tells them that one important duty is to secure us for ever as far as human wisdom and the force of law can do it from ever falling under the just apprehensions of the return of idolatry any more amongst us and the making the best provision possible against those dangers that lay on to us so lately footnote forty ibid pages thirty one and thirty two i am disposed to think that the act of parliament by which the observance of the day is enjoined is not read in the present day in our churches some of the clergy have never even seen it the present work is intended to call the attention of churchmen and especially of the clergy to this important subject should i be assured that any of my brethren have been led by the perusal of this volume to regard the day with more solemnity than usual i shall feel myself amply recompensed for my labours 
at the period of the revolution and for many years after the act as we learn from incidental notices of contemporary writers was always read by the clergy from the pulpits the people were then fully sensible of the deliverance which had been completed on that day while the clergy invariably directed the attention of their parishioners to the subject and both clergy and people presented their tribute of gratitude to that gracious being from whom all good things proceed and why should the present generation be less mindful of the great deliverance than their ancestors we have just as much reason to be thankful as the men of that generation for if the papists had succeeded in their designs not only would the liberties of that age have been sacrificed but those also of succeeding periods may the protestants of this kingdom never be forgetful of the glorious arm by which our salvation from papal thraldom and error was alone effected it is generally allowed that a retrospection into the transactions of past ages is as a glass in which the clearest view of future events may be obtained for by comparing things together we shall arrive at this conclusion that men of the same principles will always either directly or indirectly aim at the same ends the end which all romanists have in view is the destruction of the church of england as the greatest bulwark of protestantism in past ages this end was sought to be accomplished directly by treason and murder in the present day the end is attempted by secret means by an affectation of moderation and by an avowal of sentiments which are not in reality maintained let protestants ever bear in mind that the same causes will generally produce the same effects though the means employed may be varied according to times and circumstances ever since the revolution in sixteen eighty eight popery in this country has worn a mask but the papal party are now venturing to cast it aside and to appear in their real character within the last few years scenes have been exhibited in this protestant land which our ancestors would never for one moment have tolerated many protestants are lukewarm amid these ominous proceedings may they be aroused from their present apathy into a spirit worthy of the men by whom our deliverance from papal tyranny was effected in one thousand six hundred and eighty eight end of chapter nine end of guy fawkes or a complete history of the gunpowder treason a d 1605 by Thomas Lathbury